0: Well, uh, we've been in a series called Hearing From Him. And like we said at the beginning, uh, if we can hear from Him, if we can hear from God and know what He's telling us, we have it made. I mean, God is the King. He knows everything about our past. He knows everything about our current situation. He knows everything about our future. He knows what's coming he knows what next year holds. He knows what next week holds. And so if we can hear from Him, then we have it made. And so we've been, we've been spending some time focusing on how to better hear from Him and how, how better to uh, identify his, his voice. Not an audible voice we're not talking about, although you could hear an audible voice, but don't seek that. That's the exception. It's not the rule. Don't seek voices. If God chooses to speak to you in an audible voice, um, then thank Him for it. But that's not the number one way He's going to lead His kids, His children. Uh, But we're learning how to identify His voice more clearly. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 14. Romans 8, verse 14 It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In other words, the sons, the daughters of God, the children of God, are led by His Spirit. If you're a child of God, then you can be led by the Spirit of God. Period. God doesn't have any second-rate children that don't have the same rights and privileges. All His children can be led by Him. He is speaking to every one of His children. You may say, well, I haven't heard anything from him. That's why we're spending time on this series, so we can identify. Everybody in here, uh, or I should say it like this, God is speaking to every person in here. Like I said, I'm not talking about an audible voice, but he's given instruction. If we are not hearing from him, it doesn't make any sense to work on his end. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of people do. They start saying, God, will you speak to me? Will you speak to me? I can tell you right now, he already is speaking to you. This is what this says. The word being led there means continually being led there's not one time you know we don't i don't know how many of you actually listen to like am fm radio anymore but you know it's still pretty pretty prevalent in your you know in your automobile or whatever a lot of people listen to satellite radar or uh, radio or they they may hook their phone up to the car or whatever but you know if if you were trying to pick up a radio station let's say you're trying to listen to a game or something if, if you were having trouble picking up a station, let's say you're trying to listen to a game, and you're on the right station, and it's coming in all crackly, and you, you really can't hear it very well, would your first inclination be to go down to the station and see what's wrong with their broadcast signal? No. Would that be your first thought? Well, they, they must, they must, it must be broken. No. Call them up and say, what's wrong with you? I can't get your station. That wouldn't be the first response. For most, now, it might be for some people, but for most people, you're going to look at your end. You're going to say, wait a minute, something's wrong with my car, or you know, I'm, I'm driving through a rough patch, I can't get the signal. But your thought is not, they stopped broadcasting. <laughs> you know, it's the middle of, of the game, and they shut down. That's not logical. That's not what you think. But a lot of people, when they're not hearing from God, are saying, God, speak to me. It's the same thing. God is always speaking to us. He's been speaking to everybody all week. The, the question is, do we hear Him? And can we identify Him? What does your, your antenna do? And your, radio, your, your system in your car do? It, there are radio You realize there's radio signals in this room right now. Yep. Right? If you had a radio, you could turn it on, tune it in, and all of a sudden you would be hearing audio. But that didn't mean the radio signal showed up when you turned your radio on. Mm-hmm. What if you had your radio and you're just dialed in the middle of nowhere to no station? Does that mean the radio signals are not in this room? No, they're there. Do they, does it mean somehow they got stronger the minute you dialed in? No, No, it just means you dialed in, right? Well, it's the same thing with God. He is he's speaking to every one of his children, endeavoring to lead us on his path for our life right now. I mean, part of it, we're hearing his word by his spirit. He's directing us. This is clear. But when you go out into the world tomorrow, when you're on the job, when you're in work, he, if you'll listen, if we'll learn how to identify his voice, he is guiding us and showing us how to go in life. If we'll learn to identify His voice, He's leading us and He's guiding us. But part of it is, we're tuning in. We're learning how to discern. We may, you know, you could get some kind of signal, but it's the wrong signal. It's like, well, there's, that's really loud and, and it's sounding loud, but it's not what I'm looking for. It's not the right channel. We need to discern. We may hear, or I, not, when I'm saying hear, I'm not talking about audibly, but we may discern you know, thoughts, things that are uh, input, that doesn't mean it's God. What if you really feel strong and, you know, you have goosebumps about something? Doesn't mean it's God. Can you go to verse 16 real quick? 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He bears witness with our spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. But the part of you that God bears witness with, the part of you that He communicates with, is your spirit. And so we need to understand that we're going to have inputs coming through our eyes, through our ears, through things we read, into our mind. We may have a thought. We may have a feeling. We have a flashing thought. Hey, do this. Do that doesn't mean it's God. We need to discern what's God. He's not going to bear witness with our mind. Hey, this is a great idea. could be a great idea. What do you, but it doesn't mean it's God. Why? Well, I just feel strongly. What do you mean by feel? See, if it's our mind, our flesh, it's, that's not where God's going to bear witness. It's going to be with our spirit. But He is endeavoring to lead us by our spirit, by our heart, we could say, all the time. So we've spent some time Covering different aspects of this, I'm going to um, kind of hook up with where we were, and then we're going to go a little bit further. Don't have time to recap everything. We've been building, uh, each message is building on the, the other. So if you haven't listened to other messages, it would be well worth your time to go back and listen. There, is, there are few things that are more important than this subject. Because if you can learn how to listen to God, what can't you find out about? If you can learn to listen to, to God, you can get your healing. You can, he can lead you into prosperity. He can make you, you know, wealthy by any standard. Of course, as you're leading Him, He's not going to lead you in a way that's going to destroy you. It's going to be led where it is healthy. He'll lead you to the right person to marry. He'll lead you to the right school to go to. He'll lead you in the right profession. See, we can be looking over here and trying to get something from God, but what we really need to do is learn how to listen to Him. And so if you go back and listen to these messages, it will be well worth your time. Uh, Colossians 3.15, uh, you don't have to turn there, but just put it up on the screen. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, In the Amplified Classic, it says, Let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule or act as an umpire continually. And we talked about this, spent some time here. That the peace of God, what's supposed to be a deciding factor for where you go? The peace of God in your heart. It says, let it act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. You may have something pop up and question, how God is leading you, but the peace of God is what's supposed to be the umpire saying, nope, you're still on the right track. Why? How do you know? Peace. And God will always lead you by peace. We spent some time on this a couple sessions ago. It's always going to, whatever way God's leading you, it's going to be peaceful. I didn't say it's going to be peaceful to your head. Not going to be peaceful even to your, your flesh, but your spirit. If you listen with your heart, it'll be peaceful. Now, out here, it could be crazy. You might think, what am I doing? But you're not going by out here. You're looking at in here. You're looking at your heart. And God's way of leading us is going to be peaceful. It's not frantic. It's, it's not um, anxious. Let's look at, uh, we'll put it up on the screen uh, as well. We looked at this. Matthew 28, thir- uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. See, notice Jesus is saying, and we're not going to go into this real deep because we've covered this um, the last couple sessions, but I just want to hook up here. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and and are heavy laden and overburdened, I will cause you to rest. See, he's he's saying, if you come to me, I'm going to cause you to rest. When you come to God, when you're being led by God, there's going to be rest. Okay, God is not driving you, and we're going to get to this in a minute. God's not the one that drives. If you believe it's God leading you, but you're feeling driven, you're feeling overburdened and overworked, that looks like the first part. Come to me all you who labor and are, are heavy laden and overburdened and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now notice he's saying take my yoke upon you. You know, we're, I, I, I didn't grow up in an in agricultural society. Um, but a yoke is, is used to join two animals together so then they can pull a load as one. Well, when Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, he's saying you're yoked with him. That means he is leading you. He's helping you. You're walking alongside him. And he said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle, I'm humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls." Do you you see the the type of these descriptions that it's giving for being with Jesus? It's calm. Verse 30, For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. My burden is light and easy to be borne my yoke, he said, is wholesome. So we're identifying what's him, what's not him. And we spent some time on that the last couple weeks. What is him? Well, it's like this. It's peaceful and it's restful. He says it here. It's useful. It's good. Notice what it's not. We're going to get into more of what it's not tonight. It's not harsh. It's not hard. It's not sharp or pressing. So that means if you feel like something's God, but it's It's some of these things, it's harsh, it's hard, it's sharp, it's pressing. It's not God. Did you you hear me? We need to to, uh, listen. I should say it like this. We need to discern the way things feel. I mean, spiritually, the way things are. If something's pushing you, why does God need to push you? Didn't He know before you were born where you're going to go? Why would something become an emergency? Now, I'm not saying God won't check you. He won't lead you. You can't get an urgency in your heart. But that's different than being driven to do something. If you're getting to that, you have already been hearing it for a long time. It didn't start that way either. And He won't drive you. There can be a sense that gets to be like, I need to do this. I need to do this. But there's a difference between a prompting and a leading and an urging and a driving. Like, do it. The devil does that. He drives. See, it's comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. He said, my my burden is light and easy to be be born. Now, let's put up John 10, verse 1. You don't take the time to turn there right now. I just want to read you a few verses as we're transitioning more into this, what, what does it look like when the enemy is trying to push you? Because he tries, the Bible says, he tries to make himself an angel of light. He will try to lead you, and he'll try to tell you it's God. He will even quote Scripture to you. Misquote it. It won't be in truth. He might quote it right, but he's applying it wrong. Quoting it out of context. He knows the truth, but he knows what you don't know. And what you see. And so he'll push you. He'll try to get you to buy something. But let's look at this quick. Most assuredly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him who the doorkeeper opens, or him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. We're his sheep. Jesus is saying, and he's talking about himself being the, sh- the shepherd. He um, says that more uh, in verses in just a little bit. But he said, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. So he's, giving, he's, he's saying, He says later, I'm the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. See, we, we read in, in, in Romans that the sons of God are led by him. The Spirit leads us. His children, bears witness with our spirit. And here it's saying, His sheep hear His voice and He leads them. Verse 4, when He brings out His own sheep, He goes before them and the sheep follow Him. So He's given a picture. The sheep know the shepherd. The shepherd knows the sheep. He's leading them and they're following Him. For they know, it says, the sheep follow Him for they know His voice. And if you have the thought, well, I don't know His voice. Stop saying that. Don't say you don't know his voice. Agree with what Jesus said and say, I know his voice. I'm getting more attuned to his voice. I understand when he's trying to lead me. I hear him. I hear my shepherd. Speak that. Don't say I don't hear him. Don't agree with the feelings and the thoughts. And, you you know, if you say I made a mistake, I haven't heard him. So what? There's nobody on the planet that hasn't missed it. Just get up and say, I'm hearing him. I'm getting more attuned. You know, how many of you ever learned to ride a bike? How many of you, and there may be somebody, I don't know, you got on it first try and have been riding ever since, never fell down? Anybody? So you're saying, so after you fell down, you didn't just quit and say, well, forget it. I can't do it. How many of you driving? You know, you maybe not gotten a wreck, but you know, you didn't quite, you, you ran over the side of the, the lawn or you might have, you know, bumped into something. Most likely everybody, I mean, even if you've been driving for years, that somebody may have bumped into something. Did you just say, I can't do it, forget it? Hopefully not. Was well, the same thing with spiritual things. Just because you missed it, just because you didn't hear him quite right, so what? Get up and go and say, I hear him. I can hear him. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger. See, uh, the devil will try to put pressure on you and say, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You need to go right back and say, no, I I don't follow the stranger. I hear the voice of my God. And if we stay with his word and his spirit, we don't have to miss it. We don't have to. I didn't say it had to be perfect. I don't say we always have to do it. But we we can come up. We can keep coming up. We just need to stay on His side. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You're not familiar with the voice of strangers. If we'll learn to discern, we'll start saying, you're not God. Something tries to push on you, you identify and say, no, that's not God. Now, you may have been told it was God. You may have grown up thinking something was God, a push, a a fear, a compulsion. And when you get in the Scripture, you see it doesn't fit the description of the way God leads. It's not His leading style. It's not Him. Doesn't mean you couldn't have gotten some places. You couldn't have um, had some success but it was in spite of certain things. And we're all coming up and learning how to discern His voice more. And the more we do, the more we can just dismiss, because the enemy tries to counterfeit. He will try to to push and um, lead you by other things. John 10.10, really quick, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to be in abundance, to have life, the enemy is trying to lead us in a pathway that's going to lead to destruction. Verse 27, John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. There he says it again. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. See, if we're, wa- if we're going after God, we need to be convinced and confident, I am not going to get taken out of his hand. I am going to stay close to him, and I am led by him, and I will make the right decisions, and nobody's going to take me out of his hand. Nobody can take you out of his hand. See, Satan will try to push and lead and get you to, to get away from him, but we can reject him And we can stay with God. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So Satan is a counterfeiter. Satan is the destroyer. Satan tries, he is the voice of the stranger. He tries to lead God's children into destruction, into his plan. And his plan, we just read, is to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't, but well, not only does he do, not like you, he hates you. He hates me. He hates any Christian. He hates God. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, I'm just going to put these up on, and you can, uh, I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at uh, at you, but just mark them down. We'll just put them up on the screen. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, he can't just take you out. He can't just take me out. He he goes about trying to sell stuff. He wants to try to see if, see, he can't Come and snatch you out of the Father's hand. But he tries to deceive. He tries to push. He tries to coerce. He tries to put fear in people. He tries to get people to be led by something other than God so that he can devour. Notice it says, seeking whom he may devour. That means he can't just do it. If he could just do it, he didn't, it's not may. he just come up and devour you. And if he hates you so much... He would have already done it if he would already have done it if he could. If he, if, if, if he hates you because you're a Christian, and he hates God, and so he hates you, and he can't, he can't take God, he already got whipped by God, so he's gonna go after you and me. If he hates you so much, and he's and he's so bad and powerful, like he likes to tell everybody and likes he likes to put in horror movies. That they're so bad and powerful and equal and opposite to God. That's all nonsense. Yes, there are demons. Yes, they do have power, but they are no power, no match for God. If he's so bad, why didn't he already take you out? Why didn't he kill you? Kill you and your whole family? Because he has to get us to agree with him and work with him so he can do it. It says, he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Ephesians 4, uh, 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Well, if he was just able to come in and do whatever he want, it wouldn't matter if you gave him place or not. He would just come in and steamroll you. No, we have to give him place. James 4, verse 6 says, But he gives more grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the the humble. Verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Does that sound like somebody that can just come in and destroy you all the time? No, you stand up, resist him, and he will not only leave, he'll flee That word means to run away, scared. He is not a being that is powerful enough to take you out at any time as a Christian. That's a lie. That's a deception. He's not powerful. His power comes from people yielding to him. God is powerful. God is all-powerful, and God lives in you and me as a Christian. And Satan knows it. That's why when you resist him in the name of Jesus, you are standing up to him. God Almighty is in you. He knows who that is. And when you stand up and resist him, he will flee. So he is a defeated foe. He is nobody to be scared of. <clears throat> that's why you, you should not watch horror movies. Any, any movie that would, whenever you, you watch anything or read anything, you should ask yourself this question. Is it putting something into me or taking something out? When you get done, do you feel more depleted or do you feel built up? Period. Doesn't matter if it's rated G. I don't care if it's rated G. Does it got mystical junk in it that's like you're like, it's, it's grieving your spirit the whole time? Then don't watch it. But don't, don't put stuff that is horror or anything that, that uh, elevates the devil in front of you. You do not, people say, I, lo, I like the feeling of being scared. I like fear. Fear is of the devil, pure and simple. And it puts in you something to be afraid of something, plants thoughts so that it gives the devil a platform to push on your life now. And it, it makes him big. That something bad is going to happen. Some evil presence is out there. Something that you need to be scared of. All of that is of the devil. And it gives him an inroad to push on you and lead you. But that's beside, you know, beside the fact. But don't, don't, don't willfully expose, you to, expose yourself to something that the enemy... It just said, we just read, he's trying to get place. Don't sit down and let him have place. And just show how big and bad he is and put junk and fear into your life. That, that is reverencing him. And that's part of the way he tries to lead. Let's look at let's look at Matthew 12, verse uh, 43. <clears throat> We're going to have to look at this over probably some time, but there's, there's a lot here, but I don't want to shortchange you either. Um, so I may have to break this up. You know, what's the point if we just fly over everything all the time if we don't really get it and understand it? We need to understand and look at what the word says. Matthew 12, verse 43. I want to show you some different examples, give you, show you. Now, the, these are examples of somebody that people that are oppressed or, or possessed by the devil, but I want to show you the way he works and what he tries to do. Now, we looked at what God is like. God, and if you, I, I don't have time to go over all that again, but we looked at it the last two times, especially the last time. God is peaceful as far as how he's leading you, he's a gentleman. We looked at how he called his disciples, how he, 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 he always he asks, he leads he doesn't drive. He doesn't push. Even for, we looked at, uh, even when he's asking somebody to be who is going to be eventually an apostle, he doesn't make it in bright lights. He doesn't grovel. He doesn't go and beg. He asks simply, but he doesn't push. He doesn't drag. The devil, on the other hand, will push, take over, drive. And this is a way, we're going to look at some some examples of some of the more extreme, and then we'll look at some other things, too, in time. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to show you some things, how the devil, ultimately, this is where he wants to go. He, he wants to control and push. If you ever feel pushed, you need to back off. Because God won't push you. He'll prompt, he'll urge, but he's not going to drive. The devil will drive. Uh, Matthew 12, verse 43 says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he, f- then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Talking about the person he came out of. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Notice, he comes, he took, peop- he took uh, seven spirits more wicked, and they, ba- they came in, they enter and dwell there. Didn't say they asked for permission. Didn't say they knocked on the door. They came in by force and dwelt there. Now just as we're talking about these things, um, let me ask you a question. Does Jesus know what he's talking about? Yes. Is Jesus fooled? No. Is Jesus old school and just doesn't understand modern science? That's just laughable. I don't care that he was on the earth 2,000 years ago. Jesus walked, he was 100% God, walked as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, but to say he just didn't understand and was archaic, he just didn't understand that there really weren't demons. It's just, you know, he didn't understand that, are you kidding me? He knows who Satan is. He's, I don't know that we will get to it, but he had direct confrontation with him. You tell him, this is all just a figment of Jesus' mag- uh, imagination. No, these things are real. They're not to be feared, but they're real. He's talking, he's given an illustration here, but we'll see in a moment other very real examples. There is a spiritual world. Satan himself doesn't come in contact with everybody, but he has, uh, there are other wicked spirits that do his bidding and that try to influence people. Now, we're talking about being led by the Spirit. We need to understand it's not just God and us on this earth. I mean, the Spirit of God and us, we know that. you got crazy people, but you also have wicked spirits that are trying to influence. They're trying to push you. They're trying to influence you. You need to know that, not to fear them, because you, in the inside, by the Spirit of God, are infinitely bigger than any one of them, and they are scared completely of you. Don't ever be afraid. We're not t- saying any of this to be afraid, but you need to understand the devil will push, and these things are real. Say, uh, Jesus is not deceived; he's not making stuff up. This isn't a misunderstanding. And if he just understood the way we understand modern, then he wouldn't say any of this. That's not true. People try to explain stuff away. Well, they just didn't know. We know there's no spiritual realm. Are you kidding? I mean, so what? Then there's God, but there's no evil, I and mean, that, that contradicts so many scriptures in the Bible. It's Not even worth talking about. Mark 5, verse 1. Another example. Then then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one bind him, not even with chains. Now I want you to notice, this is somebody that has been pushed by the devil. This is how the devil ultimately operates. This man, and we'll see this more clearly, is not operating of his own will. He's being pushed. He's being controlled. This is ultimately this guy's demon possessed. Okay, that's a far that's that's down the road a lot, uh, you know. But that's not something that just happens. That's somebody that's yielding to the devil over time. But I, what I want you to see is this guy is not acting. The, the, the devil that's pushing him is not saying, hey, would you like to come over here? He is driving him to do stuff that he doesn't want to do. So he had, so immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had, was dwelling among the tombs. No one can bind him, not even with chains. Superhuman strength. They, could, he, he, they put chains around him and he would just break them. This is real. This isn't, this isn't a fairy tale. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broke in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. So he's just going around. The man's horrible. He's running around, crazy, by himself, miserable. He does it out of his mind. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Notice, nobody in their right mind does that. Notice the point I want you to see in an illustration is what the devil is like. He's not gentle. He's trying to push. He's, trying, he's making the guy cut himself. Now, when we went back to the yoke, the way Jesus is, he's gentle. He's restful, but notice that he's not dry. He doesn't, um, let's see, I want to get the words right the way we were, when we were looking at it. You don't have to go back there. I'll just read it. He's not harsh, hard, sharp, pressing. Do you see, when we're reading these things, this is hard, sharp, pressing. Well, who does that come from? It comes from the devil. It comes from evil. It's not God. If you feel pushed, not him. It's more like this. This guy's being pushed to do things that he really doesn't want to. Verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what, I, what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Verse 8, For he said to him, Come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Verse 11, Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. And so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Verse 14, So those who fed the swine fled, and they, came, they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had, what had happened. Verse 15, Then they came to Jesus. So Jesus came on the scene, and the man was freed. Now notice, he saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. So now you see the person, after he's free from any of that under other influence, and what does it look like? He's there. He's peaceful, calm. He's not running around, cutting himself breaking chains, he's in the presence of Jesus, and he's calm. That's God. The devil was the one driving him. When somebody is getting so pressed, and they feel like it's God, there are people, and this is, from what I read, not just an isolated incident, where people have ended up in the insane asylum, Because they believe they committed the unpardonable sin. What does that sound like? When you you hear, it sounds like something God would say if you've been religiously brainwashed. You've done the wrong thing. You've done the wrong thing. You've done the wrong thing. You're not going to be saved. It sounds, you know, you've committed the unpardonable sin. Maybe, Maybe quoting scripture to them, but it is... Pressing and it's driving and it sounds religious and it sounds like it's trying to get you to do good, but somebody under its oppression and the person is like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And it drives them crazy. Well, that's way over here. But how many people are feeling like God is you got to do this for God. you got to do this for God. And they're trying, and then they try their best, and they don't do it right, and they feel, they think it's them, they think they've been brainwashed. Maybe it was the way they were taught. Maybe they were taught to be guilty all the time. Every time they did something wrong, there was something coming down on them, or at church, or whatever, and you got to do penance, or whatever. And so they feel like that's God telling them they did it wrong. And they, they're, they're trying the best, and they try to do, they, they get to the end of the day, and they, 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 they messed up one thing, and they instead of, rejoicing that they did well and all these other things, this, this thing inside of them or, or pushing on them tells them, you, did, you didn't do this right and you didn't do that right. And they think, Go, oh God, I'm trying, I'm trying. And they think it's God. God's not like that. That's the enemy trying to push. He's not the one condemning him. i saying God won't prompt you. He will show you and he will convict you of sin But he doesn't drive you and beat you up over it. That's counterproductive, driving you into feeling like you can't do anything and feeling like people walk away and say, I don't want to have anything to do with God. What they don't understand, I don't want to have anything to do with church. What they don't understand, they're not rejecting God, they're rejecting religion and they're rejecting an enemy that is taking advantage of that pushing. We can get into that out of good motives, feeling like you want to please God, I want to do the right thing, I want to study my Bible, I want to, I want to learn about, you could say, faith or whatever, but when you start feeling pushed and driven, if, if Satan can't keep you on the bench doing nothing, when you get up, another favorite tactic is to push you so hard, you just blow up. Oh, you're not going to sit, and you're, you're going to go after God? Well, you better do this, and this, and this, and this, oh, you missed it here, and missed it there, and a good-hearted person can be so driven by that that they're exploding be- and, and they don't realize it's not God leading them. They're zealous, they're good hearted, but they're listening to the wrong thing. They, are, they have a good heart to serve God, but they're listening to the wrong voice. Now, I'm not talking about audibly. They're listening to fear, they're listening to anxiety, they're listening to a want for more, or to be better, or, or any number of things, the enemy will drive, he'll push. But notice God, when Jesus is on the scene, it's calm. You don't have to be raving, you know, running across the, the countryside, breaking chains and cutting yourself. There are plenty of people that are, are running through life, feeling like they have to do everything they're doing, and slowly inside, they're, they're, they're getting burnt out because they're actually being pushed instead of being led. Sheep are led. The shepherd's out in front of them, and they're, they're coming after him. They're not driven. They're, he's not behind driving. That's not God. Satan drives. Acts sixteen sixteen. Now, it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim us the way of salvation, and this she did for many days. Now, that might sound like a good thing, but it's not a good thing. This is a mocking, probably high pitched, whiny voice going after Paul. This lady is being pushed, and we'll see this, she's not acting out of her own self, she's being pushed to do this. It says, these men are the servants of Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation, but it's not in a good way, because you can see clearly, Paul, next verse, says, "And this, this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now notice this. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul. So whatever she was doing is gone now, which means she wasn't acting on her own uh, choice. Whatever she was doing was not her. She was being pushed. That's what Benjamin does. He tries to push by any number of things. He tries to take control. He he, he, he riles people up. You guys take a little more? All right, we're going to try to put uh, a wrap on this. Mark 15, verse 1. It says, Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and and whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to them, It is as you say. So this is when Jesus is going to be crucified. Verse 3, And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Notice that. Most people, and it says Pilate's thinking this is really different because they're accusing Jesus and he's not getting in their face. He is quiet. They're accusing him and he's not defending himself. Verse 4, Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you, but Jesus still answered nothing. So Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whoever, whoever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. And then the multitude, crying out loud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But, the, but Pilate answered and said, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. Verse 11, but the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Now the chief priests are stirring up the people. Verse 12, Pilate answered and said to them, What do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? Notice this, so they cried out again, crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, why, why, what evil has he done? Look at at the way they are. They're not listening to anything. They've been stirred up. You know what's stirring them up. What's the end game? Kill Jesus. Where is that coming from? Where is it coming from? The, The devil is motivating these people. The chief priests are being motivated. The people are being motivated. And look at they're beside themselves. They say, crucify him. Then Pilate said, well, why, what evil has he done? They cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify, or gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. But frenzy, push, excitement, get it done. Not, you saw Jesus just could be, didn't even defend himself. Calm. Jesus was not getting excited, was not even anxious. He was in, in such a state still, he was still calm. Do you see the, the, the contrast? Now I know some of these are, are extreme examples showing where the devil would go, but any bit of pushing of trying to drive you, of trying to push you by fear, of trying to say, if that doesn't happen, if, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. That's fear. you got to do this now. That's driving. This person says you have to do it. It's a push. It's not a lead. It's not a, a calmness. Anything that looks like that should set off something in us that's saying, wait a minute, you're not my shepherd. and Satan is looking for an inroad. He is, like we read in those those earlier verses, he is looking who he may devour. Well, how how does he devour? One of the ways he does it is by trying to get people led in the wrong way so he can set them up and get them over here. He can't just come in and do it, like we said, so what does he have to do? He has to position. If he can get somebody in fear, he knows he needs them over here. If he can get them in fear of going over here so that they start running over exactly where he wants, now they're lining up for something. He is trying to destroy. But how does he get people in that position? He does it in these ways. He tries to push, drive, manipulate, pressure. But God will never do that. That's why when when we're in a very real spiritual battle, And we need to know we have an enemy. We're not scared of them, but we need to know this. So when we are walking through life, we need to be looking for the peace. We need to be looking for the familiar voice. The the sense when we're reading our Bible and we're getting revelation, what does that feel like? Because that's going to be the same sense that you're going to get when God's leading you, because it is God. The Spirit of God who's going to quicken you when we're reading Scripture, like we covered several sessions ago, is the one that's going to be leading you. It's a peaceful it's not frenzied. The moment you sense frenzy, the moment you sense pressure, you need to say, wait a minute, this is a stranger. This is not my God. And start backing off right there and say, I'm not moving. Because Satan is trying to get people in the position he wants them in, and we need to be alert and say, wait a minute, I'm, no, 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 I'm not moving. Well, you've got to move now. You've got to do it now. Oh, no, I don't. No, I do not. Well, yes, you're going to lose. No. I'm not going to move unless I sense my Lord leading me. And I'll stay here until I have a peace about going forward. I will not be moved by pressure. I will not be moved by being driven. I will not be moved by losing out an opportunity. God can give me another opportunity. If He needs to get me somewhere, He knows how to lead me and urge me. And it's not by all of a sudden something coming out of the blue and saying it's a lifetime Uh, opportunity and I have to do it right now. He could have already been dealing with me and I've been in the the word and spending time with him and he hasn't been talking to me about it so he can start talking to me about it now. I'm not moving because this is how the enemy tries to get people to move and get them into destruction. But we can see how he starts to operate and start sidestepping. Amen. God is good. He is a good shepherd. He loves us, and we know His voice. Lord, we just thank You so much.